Georgia State is done with spring practice. It's Locked On Sunbelt. You are Locked On Sunbelt, your daily podcast on the Sunbelt Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to another edition of Lockdown Sunbelt, your team every day. I'm your host, uh, Dave Schultz. Made the trip up to see Mama Schultz, so we're in uh, Syracuse, New York, compared to Mobile, Alabama, and it's snowing. Yay, me. <laughs> uh, all right, so South Alabama is starting their spring practice, I believe, on uh, the 17th. Uh, Troy just started this past week. Uh, uh, LSU just started uh, this past week. Georgia State's done. Looking at the Twitter, they were done Thursday night having a spring spring game in the rain, nonetheless. Uh, and so we wanted to reach out to uh, our, our guy, Brady Weiler, from GSU Panther Talk to find out what is going on and why. And so uh, we did that. Just to let you know, tonight's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Uh, so let's bring in our buddy, Brady Weiler from GSU Panther Talk, and is Georgia State the only team in America that is done with spring football? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. I'm your host, Dave Schultz, a little road trip home to upstate New York, so we're seeing snow. Yay. Uh, let's talk a little Georgia Panthers football, because I did not realize that not only had they started, but they're done. Georgia State football is done with spring practice. We bring in Brady Weiler from GSU Panther Talk. Are they the only team that is done with spring football? South Alabama hasn't even started yet. Troy just started. Yeah, so they are not. I looked this up before coming on here. Uh, according to 24-7 Sports, side right for, so I'm sure it's accurate. Right. Hawaii finished on March 3rd. Bowling Green finished on March 4th. And New Mexico finished on March 6th with their spring games. But to your point, I looked this up as well. 77 programs at FBS have not started spring practice yet. So certainly Georgia State is the outlier in being done this early. Well, that's about half, right? There's That's a little bit a little more, more than half. half. A little bit more than half, yeah. A little bit more than half that hasn't started yet. Someone mentioned that uh, they didn't start because they wanted to get it in all uh, before spring break. They didn't want to get interrupted by spring break. Does that mean spring break is late for Georgia State? Because then you have to have a ramp up and you can't use pads or something along those lines? Yeah, so spring break is actually next week. Uh, oh. I think starts right now for Georgia State students. Uh, and oh. last year, spring practice was also kind of early and ended around the late March. And they did have to stop because of spring break and they had to do the ramp right. up, like you say. Because if you do it all in one go, you can just have the first couple of practices at the start that are the mandated to ramp up where you start in just the helmets and then you go up from there. And so I think that was certainly part of it that they wanted to just go all the way through, but they brought in a new strength coach this off season. Uh, and he had the idea from what coach Elliott has said that he thought it was a good idea to keep the momentum going, get spring going. Now there was some good weather, although it rained last night at the actual spring game, but there's some seasonal weather that was nicer than February and March maybe usually is that they want to take advantage of. And I think they also wanted to just, from this point, when they come back from spring break, get going with 
continuing to install the strength and the weight program and kind of getting ready for the season in that regard. All right. So that's interesting because it would seem like if you got a new strength coach and I'll presume he was hired somewhere around, I don't know, before the holidays or right after the holidays that he wants time to install, you know, give him a chance to, you know, manipulate may not be the uh, right word, but to uh, improve the physiques and the conditioning of the Georgia state players but instead, he wanted to get through practice to have maybe the most um, the most time following spring ball. Yeah, well, they definitely got in some of that with the winter workouts. He was here. I don't know when he got here unofficially. You know, when the hire came through, I think it was January. He's been here for that stretch of time, getting them started with kind of implementing his regime. And I think just about having that uninterrupted time to just continue to install that program as they head into the end of this academic year, set the assignments for the summer. And then when they come back for fall camp, it's going to be just a stretch of time where they've kind of gotten to get into that zone and work on their gains, so to say, before the season gets going. Uh, we're talking with Brady Weiler from GSU Panther Talk. All right. What are expectations for, uh, Georgia State. I will mention, I do remember this also, by the way. So in, in this case, Georgia State's an outlier. Remember, we're about two years from, or actually three, I guess, from when COVID started. And Coastal Carolina was done before COVID hit. They had gotten all their spring practices in. So that's just around the same time. So I will mention that. But all right, so where are we with Georgia uh, State football uh, it kind of feels like maybe the power is shifting a little bit over to the uh, uh, the Western Division with uh, Troy being the, de the defending champs, really handling Coastal Carolina. You got South Alabama who finished second. Uh, where are we with Georgia State and, and what do you think their expectations are for 2023? Well, obviously, 2022 is a down year for Georgia State. They lost a handful of games that they had a lead in in the second half, end up going four and eight. And the last year was kind of supposed to be the year because there was a lot of guys coming back and they were going off of an eight win season in 2021. And now they've hit the off season and pretty soon into the off season, nose guard Thomas Gore transfers, goes to the portal. He ends up in Miami. Outside linebacker Jamil Muhammad goes to the portal, ends up going to USC. Jamari Thrash, wide receiver, who is – the Sunbelt first team wide receiver, right. led the conference in receiving yards, goes to the portal, ends up at Louisville. Uh, they uh, And Antavius Lane, safety, one of the better defensive players the last three seasons uh, for Georgia State, goes to the portal, goes to UNC. And so right out of the gate, after a disappointing year, it became, all right, this winter signing period is going to be important to replace all of these guys that we just lost. And Thrash was a later addition to the portal. He didn't come in and leave until after the, the uh, initial signing day. But the other three were gone, and it was, okay, that's priority number one. And, and so I don't think the expectations change because I think this is a really important year for Coach Elliott and his program because one year, four year, uh, one year going four and eight, maybe a little bit of a blip, but got to get back to winning ways in 2023, and you lost some key players, so – the spring and the fall are going to be about having gotten guys like Kevin Swint, who's an outside linebacker who transferred from Clemson, uh, Henry Bryan, who's a, probably they're looking at having him replace Gore at nose guard who came in from Louisville. Um, 
other guys going to have to fill in. They got some junior college guys and FCS transfers uh, at receiver and at safety to try and replace Thrash and Antavius Lane. And maybe some other guys lower down that haven't played as much, they're going to have opportunities now. But like the bottom line is last season didn't go to plan and you lost some of the more talented players on the team that was on that four and eight team. And, you know, the Sun Belt doesn't get any easier. And I think there's going to be a lot of feeling within and outside the program that however they're going to do it, they've got to get back to a winning season in 2023. All right. So there, there's a lot there. So let's talk about that transfer portal because another one is going to open up. Are more guys are going to leave and do they need more guys uh, to, to fill out the roster? Well, I guess the wrinkle here with the transfer portal reopening is that just recently uh, at the end of last month, defensive coordinator Nate Fuquay left to take a co-defensive coordinator outside linebackers job at Cincinnati. Mm. Um, and defensive lineman Jeffrey Clark has already put out on Twitter that he was entering the portal. That's the only person who has done it yet. But, you know, Fuke was the guy that ultimately sold a lot of defensive players, especially up front on coming to Georgia State. And so if there were others to follow Clark out, it wouldn't necessarily be a surprise. So if that any of that goes on, they're going to have more quality players to have to replace. Um, but the other part of it is that I think that they kept some scholarships in their back pocket after the last signing class because they knew, this being the Georgia State coaching staff, that more guys would come out into the portal from other schools after their spring practices wrapped. So certainly I think that you have that new added thing where you got to see if everyone's going to stay. Um, but other than that, I think they were looking at it as an opportunity to maybe have a second round of guys come in and they'll have missed spring practice, but if they've got ex experience at this level, probably guys that think they can get up to speed in the fall camp and be able to contribute. And so certainly I think more than it being defensive, I think they're still going to be a little bit offensive in the portal and try and add some more impact players for 2023. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back with more with our conversation with Brady Weiler from GSU Panther Talk. And we will discuss what our expectations for the Georgia State Panthers. How do they contend with that tough Sun Belt East? But first, let me tell you about FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Dave Schultz back with more Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. Let's hear more from Brady Weiler from GSU Panther Talk. What do they expect in 2023 from the GSU Panthers? It is Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. I'm your host, Dave Schultz, along with GSU Panther Talk's Brady Weiler. All right, you say it's important to get back to winning ways. Does that mean six, seven wins going to a bowl game, or does that mean contending in the East? Because all well, of a sudden, Brady, the, the not only was it basketball where three of the top four uh, double by teams were new, but you do have James Madison and Marshall 
Uh, Southern Miss in the West may be pretty good. Um, we'll see what Old Dominion does. They, they're they're in a major rebuild, uh, although they took Town Coastal this past year. What what when you say when we're talking about expectations and winning season, does that mean again getting to a bowl game, or does that mean contending in the East, which is now a much harder uh, Sun Belt Conference? So the, the one thing that Georgia State's done themselves a favor in this year that they didn't the last couple of seasons is that the non-conference schedule is a lot more manageable than. You know, last year they went to South Carolina and then hosted North Carolina to open things up. Oh, geez. And they played them close, but they lost right. both of those games. Right. And they dropped one to Charlotte that I'm sure they wish they had back. And so they ended up going one in three in non-conference play when they salvaged the win at Army to start off October. This year they go to Charlotte again, uh, a game that I think you'd still look at as at least a chance they have a good shot of winning. And they start out the season with two at home against FCS Rhode Island and UConn, who certainly went to a bowl game, surprised expectations. But UConn is not UNC as far, or South Carolina. No, but they got they got a lot better because as someone who has followed UConn for a while, I mean, they were embarrassing. They were the worst program among the worst programs along right there with ULM, by the way, in Division One football. And they improved dramatically. They were embarrassing last year when – they played Syracuse, and by the end of the year, they're going to a bowl game. So that is not that is not a cakewalk. Yeah. Although UConn could be welcoming in the uh, the humidity if that game is in September <laughs> in Atlanta. <laughs> yes, first first game in September for Georgia oh. State. It, yeah, I, I think it's not about like a give. I mean, if you'd circled the Charlotte game as a gimme last year for Georgia State, you would have been disappointed because they lost that one at home. Right. But certainly, compared to the schedule they laid out for themselves in non-conference. Last year, it is more manageable. You could talk yourself into three and one pretty easily. The fourth game is in November at LSU. That's probably oh. the one that's a little furthest off. But I think it's also a good thing that that game is happening a lot later in the schedule than some of the power conference games have been in recent years. And certainly, it's the only one, and it's you know not starting out the year with that. Um, it's the penultimate game of the year for Georgia State. And so, if you're going three and one in non-conference, which is realistic based on the way the schedule is laid out, that makes your job of getting to whatever task you want to get to in Sunbelt play. You know, if you can get above 500, you know, go five and three in conference games, that's eight wins right there. And so I think that's the thing that helps out Georgia State this year is that they aren't giving themselves so much of a gauntlet to start out the year. The gauntlet's just waiting for them once Sunbelt play starts because, you know, they play Troy and Marshall right out the, the gate. Oh, and Coastal. Oh, goodness. I was just going to ask you who they play in the West, and they get the defending champs and and Marshall, who is also expected to contend. So that's not – well, obviously they'd have to play Marshall because of the division. Yeah, Louisiana uh, is on the road in October, October 21st against Louisiana in Lafayette. Oh, goodness gracious. So they get – well, that – all right, well, so much for not bringing in, you know, Carolina, the Carolinas, but uh, as as far as it goes with uh, the Sun Belt, that is a difficult schedule. Uh, they're not. That's not exactly ULM in Arkansas State. Well, yeah, I think if you had asked, they played Southern Miss and ULM in a conference play out of the, the teams out of the West last year. I think if you had asked people, especially because Southern Miss was the road game, if you had said they're going to go one and one in these games, I think, Almost anyone you pulled would have said, okay, they're going to lose at Southern Miss and beat ULM. In fact, the opposites would happen. They beat Southern oh. Miss pretty handily and lost to ULM on senior days. So 
I think it's a little bit easy to overproject these things. We need to see how these teams are, um, including Georgia State, when we get to the fall. Sure. But I think the other underlying thing is just no matter what way you slice this schedule, given especially that it's a team in the East and that there is kind of, you know, obviously the West shined last year with Troy and South Alabama, but I think that the East has like a higher floor where basically everyone's a tough out in the East. I don't think you could look at any schedule, any set of these games and say, oh, this is going to be easy. Everyone who's got a Sunbelt schedule now has got a tough conference schedule. That's kind of the point with the realignment and why everyone feels pretty bullish about just the quality of the league now, especially on how it's grown the last couple of years. So to a certain point, I kind of just say, this is what you signed up for. And I don't know that the schedule necessarily, you just kind of have to live with it. And you just know that, yeah, it's going to be tough. This is what the the new Sunbelt is all about. I mean, that's generally true. And I agree with you, but at the same time, if I'm playing ODU and not James Madison, that's a big difference. At least last year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And like I say, it's two bowl teams in Troy and Louisiana from the West from last year, but got to see how they shake out. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll be back with more with uh, Brady Weiler from GSU Panther Talk. What does uh, Darren Granger, the quarterback, have to do to take it to the next uh, level? But first, let me tell you about Bilt Bar. And by the way, folks, down 13 and a half pounds in two months. 13 and a half pounds in two months. How about that? You're looking for a delicious treat? But don't want all the fat and the calories, then you got to try Bilt Bar. We just got through the holidays like two and a half months ago. And I know my goal is to eat a little healthier. And if you're like me, you want to eat healthier, but don't want to compromise the taste. And I've got the thing for you. You got to try Bilt. With Bilt, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Bilt Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Bilt Bars at Bilt.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Bilt Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream. Double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's, like I am, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. 13 and a half pounds in two months now. At home now, I'm with Mama Schultz, so I'm going to take advantage of that cooking. But nonetheless, down uh, 13 and a half pounds from mid-January to, well, not quite mid-March. So that was uh, outstanding that I weighed in. Uh, earlier in uh, the week back in Mobile. All right, let's wrap up our conversation with Brady Weiler from GSU Panther Talk, talking about the Panthers quarterback. As far All as right, we're talking with Brady Weiler from uh, GSU Panther Talk. It is Lockdown Sunbelt, your team every day. All right, we all want to know where are we with the quarterback situation with Georgia State? Yeah, so Darren Granger is back in has been the incumbent starter now. This is the second spring he's gone through as the guy. And uh, he, you know, I don't know short of an injury that I'd see anything that really takes him off that until we get to games. And if he is struggling at that point, you maybe see uh, the backup for 2022, Makili Colasardo was not playing in spring. He had been, he had had some cleanup surgery done, so he was not throwing. But Georgia State had two, incoming freshmen enroll early, Bryson Harrison and Braylon Ragland. And so they went through the whole of spring practice. And 
Uh, the spring game last night worked where it was they drafted into teams of you know, team blue versus team black, and Darren Granger was the quarterback for team blue, and both the freshmen were the quarterbacks for team black. And so they both got a lot of reps through springs with the twos and the threes, and they got a lot of reps last night because they were the ones handling the snaps for one of the teams where Darren handled all the snaps on the blue team. And so Darren Granger ended up being the leading rusher for the team in 2022. And so he offers that. And that is ultimately aside from leadership aspects, why he won the job away from Cornelius Brown uh, during the 2021 season, because he is a weapon on his legs. And that's something that the offense coach Elliot wants to run. It's kind of based on, you need to have a quarterback that offers you that. Um, but good experience for the young guys too, because he's now going to have been the starter going into his third year, but this will be it for Darren Granger. And so they have to start looking down the line. And so getting these two freshmen in now and getting their feet wet already and getting them learning the offense now with pretty much no pressure to push Darren. I mean, if someone came in and flashed, I'm sure they'd entertain a conversation, but they weren't saying to them, here's the playbook. And by the way, you're starting in the fall. Like they know that they've got a guy in front of them that, has got the starting position locked down and they can kind of settle into college, into the college game and work on what they need to work on to get ready for when it is their turn. All right. It just hit me. How bad was that rain coming down? Cause usually, you know, any precipitation for a spring game, they call that thing off. No one, they don't want to deal with any of that potential injury. Yeah. I think coach Elliott's a come rain or shine type guy. I think even if it had been oh. pouring, he would have found a way to, to make it through as long as there was any lightning in the area or anything, Not but it. it's, it was raining. Uh, kind of decently at the start, and then it held off for most of like the second, third, fourth quarter, and then right at the death of the game, it started raining pretty hard again. So uh, didn't avoid it entirely, but it didn't really affect proceedings other than I think everyone kind of knew it was raining. So you know you had fans in the seats that were covered rather than sitting up on the front row for the start right. of it, and uh, maybe the forecast scared some people off from coming as well. But all in all. Knowing that it was a rainy day, I think you got the most out of it. Um, you got at least a good portion of the game in without the rain affecting it. All right, so what's uh, Coach Elliott looking for Granger to take the next step? What does he have to do to become, I don't want to say Todd Centeo, but, you know, kind of that next-level guy? Yeah, well, I think the thing with Darren is that he has shown a nice floor, and he clearly is comfortable running the offense. In some of the games where they've gone up against the better defenses, he's not had stellar outings. And I'm thinking specifically of when they went up against App State uh, each of the last seasons, really. Uh, he never really found his footing. It was on the road in Boone this past year, and he just did not have a good performance uh, passing the ball. It was the same with the South Carolina game to start out the season. And he certainly found it more in as he got into the flow of the season and as he was playing with maybe – of the less good defenses on the schedule. But I think what Georgia state fans are looking for from him is like when it is one of these games against one of these really solid defenses, maybe do or die for their chances going to a bowl or going to some belt East title game, you know, going to some title game is representing the East getting over the, the hump in that regard. Talking with Brady Weiler with uh, GSU Panther talk. It is locked on a Sun Belt. Uh, your team every day. I'm your host, Dave Schultz. All right. Overall, uh, do you think there, I mean, there's some teams that have to replace some guys. We're, we're still not a hundred percent sure. There may be some other locked on teams, maybe in Auburn, Alabama, that may think that uh, they may get a coastal Carolina quarterback, not looking at you or anything there, Zach Lackerby, but 
do we think Grayson is going to stick around? And how does that change the East and the Sun Belt should he decide to leave? I guess I hadn't heard the whispers were still going on because I seemed like he had. Well, I may be starting that and perpetuating those rumors. <laughs> I think he's here to stay. And okay. I really don't know what Coastal Carolina looks like in 2023 because I think Grayson McCall is very good. And they obviously have some other guys around him that are returning. But I feel like the reason they hit the peak that they hit was that it was McCall and the weapons and in Jamie Chadwell's offense. And I don't know what Tim Beck's offense is going to look like yet. Uh, he brought in former Georgia State offensive coordinator, Coach Elliott's first offensive coordinator, Travis Trickett as his offensive coordinator now in his first staff. So um, some familiarity there. I don't, I'm not here saying they're going to be a bad offense. I'm just saying I don't know right now what they're going to look like. And so that's certainly going to maybe be the most important factor in how the East shakes out. Because obviously if McCall is back and the offense is rolling, We've seen the last couple of seasons just how good that team can be. If it's just not the same melding together, if they're not the factor that they have been in the title race the last couple of years, certainly opens the door for someone else to jump in there. Oh, that's a perfect landing spot. Uh, what Tell uh, everybody what's coming up on GSU Panther Talk. Well, uh, both you know, the basketball season, I would say mercifully has ended for Georgia State. Uh, ended up going 10-21, and 21, losing the first round of the Sunbelt title game. Uh, and you know, transfer portal is going to be the big thing with Georgia State right now because they had four guys enter the portal after player meetings at the beginning of this week. So there's going to be now five scholarships along with two incoming freshmen that have already signed. So a lot to follow in that regard. Uh, ben Moore, publisher of Panda Talk, handles the lion's share of that, does good work getting all the recruiting stories. So we're certainly paying attention to that because it's going to shape how that team goes. And uh, it's baseball season right now, and uh, Georgia State actually just took a tough loss on a walk-off Grand Slam to Clemson tonight. But the mm. baseball team has taken a tick up, it seems. It's hit a lot of home runs. And given how – off the football and basketball seasons have been for Georgia State fans. I think clinging on to the success, whatever success baseball can have, will be a uh, a way to get past the way the rest of this season has gone for Panther fans. He's Brady Weiler, uh, GSU Panther Talk, hopping on Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. Uh, every day. Appreciate it, Brady. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you.